Well, I always have a good laugh about it when I hear about, you know, my boss talking about it, thinking that, you know, he's an expert in this, especially some of the other people I know that think they're experts in this, about why, you know, companies like Rivian and Tesla, they have so many horrible issues with their vehicles, their quality is just crap, and they can't produce anything. Why would I want to buy stocks in them? I always look at them and go, everybody starts out this way, even the biggest companies did, and they laugh at me. They seem to think they know more about this industry than the doctor does. But when it comes to the production woes of brand new automotive companies, there's a lot more to it than people think. And some people don't give some of these companies the credit they really deserve. And the second they see one little issue, they pull their money from them. And they think the worst. Well, there's a reason why Tesla's took a while to go public and why their original vehicles had so many restrictions with it with going to the media. Well, production woes are a part of growth. And that is what the Autolux Podcast is going to look at today. Autolux Podcast coming to you anytime, anywhere from around the globe on any major streaming site from Autolux.net. Welcome back to the Autolux Podcast. I am your host, as always, the doctor to the automotive industry, Mr. Everett J. Coming to you from our main host website, Autolux.net, our streaming site, podbeam.com feedspot.com if you're looking for blogs podcasts or even forums check out feedspot.com for all your information and brought to you by ecom entertainment group where we do the backing for you autolux.net website if you haven't been there stop by check it out it's pretty cool you might like it i know a lot of people in the auto industry have thought it pretty amazing with some of the things that we found and some of the things that you can even easily find on the autolux.net website so stop by and if you want to send us a comment or have a question or you even have an idea just send it to everche at email at autolux.net so as i said at the beginning production woes a lot of people these days are starting to look at you know Remember Tesla when they first started making the Model 3 and more information was able to get out? Because we all remember when the Roadster came out, like nobody said any bad things about it. Hell, Top Gear had to pull an episode where they made the Tesla Roadster look so bad that it only had like 30 miles of actual charge that you can utilize. And literally, they sued them and got them to stop that. Because controlling the written word, you can control a lot. And Elon Musk and board members of Tesla at the very beginning all knew this. Similar to that of General Motors with the EV1, they didn't want to fail. So they put restrictions. And with those restrictions, it allowed them to get bigger and bigger. And then they moved into production vehicles. The Model S was in production, but not to the scale that the Model 3 was. And it's so funny that when the Model 3 came out, a lot of people found issues with them. Oh, you know, this is cracked. That is cracked. That's missing. I uh, got the, you know, two wrong color doors. Or, you know, they're all part of a production woe. Small boutique buildings that started out the auto industry, similar to that of the carriage market. Some assembly line, but a lot of personalization. This is how a lot of major auto companies start out. They all started as these tiny little boutique builders. Remember, Tesla started out with just the Roadster, a sports car. And hell, the original sports car was built off of production products and shells shipped over from Lotus, the Evora, the Roadster. Look at the two of them next to each other, you know. But essentially, that platform was for the Elise. So they all start out this way, similar to that of how Ferraris are built, and you get very limited amount of people and a lot of control over everything. But when you start moving up into bigger roles and start producing more and more vehicles, you start gaining more issue. It runs this way with any major company, even starting your own store where it's just you working at this small, tiny little store. And as it gets bigger and better, you need to start hiring people. And when you hire people, you're going to lose some money. You're going to have some issues because there's going to be mistakes. Everybody knows that. 
And if you're just starting out, the very first day you open your doors, there are people out there, like I've, I've met them and know them, who are going to bitch and complain about how bad you did your job on the very first day, even though it's the first day you've ever done this. There are those people that are still going to bitch. But the majority of people are kind of expected because you're just starting out. When the Model 3 went into production, Tesla had already owned the Fremont factory, so the Model S was already slowly being moved into a more of a production role. But take a look back at the original Tesla Model S when it came out. There were a lot of quality issues even with those. But they were building them at a slower pace, similar to that how, how Lucid started out. They built them at a very slow pace. They didn't expect to move into selling 10,000 of them, you know, the first year. They looked at it as, you know, we're going to do a few hundred and then move it, slowly move up to close to a few thousand and then move up slower into 10,000 and 100. They're taking their time. They're taking each step as it comes. Well, the Model S kind of did that. That's why there are a lot less issues that we, you know, actually heard of with these products compared to what originally was but when the model 3 came out production issues started popping up and why did they start popping up because now tesla was moving from only doing maybe 10,000 cars a year to trying to go into full production mode of 100,000 cars a year now if we go all the way back to the early days or the later days of the 19th century we get a company from detroit the oldest one in existence up until the early 2000s before they were killed off oldsmobile not ford oldsmobile brought us the moving assembly line to the auto industry and do you think when they first started doing that they didn't run into issues now being small scale manufacturers back then moving into a new technology you were guaranteed to have issues but you weren't going into it like full jump in you were just sticking your toes in it wasn't until henry ford came around and perfected the system and moved it onto a larger scale did full-scale automation of the assembly line into the automobile industry came about before those days before ford perfected the system there was limited production cars which move and move up in the world and allow for the amount of wiggle room Gotta remember, before Oldsmobile brought it in and Ford perfected it, companies that build vehicles like Rolls-Royce these days were pretty much it. Individual cars, one after another after another, so you get a lot less quality issues. Tesla was doing that, just on a larger scale, so they weren't, you know, like the original McLaughlin started by the original father. They were similar to that of McLaughlin when his son Sam was starting to move into automobiles marketplace. They were building quite a few of them at a decent pace, but they still had more hands on deck. Now Tesla's moving into the Model 3, where they want to go from less than 10,000 to over 100,000 in the blink of an eye. You can't move from a limited production model into full-scale production in an instant without an issue. Even with how long Morgan Automobiles has been around, their old-scale handheld technique of building those cars, if they jumped the Morgan three-wheeler into a production for this, their new electric version into 100,000 units per year, do you not think, even with how simplistic their tasks are to build their vehicles, if you move that into full-scale production, you don't think that Morgan would lose some of its quality issues? Tesla was running into those. And because the Model 3 was an average production vehicle for a middle-class marketplace, more people, more cameras, more complaints. You're moving into the largest complaint department in the automotive world. Middle-class buyers are some of the largest complainers out there. Bottom end are just happy to have their car. The top end pay to make sure they get the right car. But the middle class, they want gold, but they'll only pay you with copper 
that's how this direction works. And with Tesla moving into the middle class marketplace where everybody wants this gold bar to appear in their driveway when they're only giving you pennies on the million dollar bill, are you really going to be able to make it as quick as they want it, as efficiently as they want it, as cheaply as they want it to the rank that they want? It took Toyota decades to perfect their method. And Hyundai today is still trying to perfect the Toyota model. A lot of car companies are. And some of them just can't get through it. Tesla operates in a similar context as Toyota. Where unlike the big three, they don't have to go and fight every couple years with their union. They still have a sort of role of a dictatorship within their company. Where some people can be silenced to keep certain news from getting out. Well, a lot of companies can do that to keep you from knowing the real truth behind a lot of stuff. Because the real truth could harm you more than protect you. Tesla knows that people can make a difference. And the middle class market is the biggest market. But by this time, the Model S had already proven to the world that Tesla is the electric dominator. And whereas the Roadster, which started it all as a boutique build, the Model 3 was moving into production roles. Faster production means a reduction in per unit pricing. And learning how to build on a small scale can help you in the larger scale. Where Tesla started as the boutique builders slowly moved up. They just missed one step along the ranks. When they moved from in between 10 and 50,000 production units. Instead of going trying to go from 10 to 100,000 slash 500,000 units. There is a major scale up of operations to do that. Rivian learned this last year. If you're one of the, as I call, suckers, which <laughs> I'm sorry to say I'm part of, who bought into the grand scheme of Rivian last year when their stocks first came out and they skyrocketed to almost $200 a share. Today, you're looking at about 20 bucks. Yeah, that, that's a shitload of money you lost. <laughs> But why did Rivian have such an issue getting going? Rivian went from building a few models at their home, having a big workshop to work in with great talent and great people. They built these vehicles and they built the vehicles up. But unlike Tesla or even companies like Pangenian, they don't just jump into the bottom of the ring in the smallest scale of production facilities. Rivian wanted to go all in. They were diving into the automotive ocean. They weren't just putting their toes in and slowly climbing up down that ladder. Tesla got to the halfway point and then just said at the end, fuck it, I'm jumping in. Rivian just jumped off the dock. Lucid, on the other hand, has production issues. But Lucid is slowly climbing down that ladder right now. Chinese companies are a little bit more different. Someone like Neo or Aways, they can jump all into this because in their marketplace, there's a lot more control on what can be said. The Chinese marketplace is completely different than the North American marketplace, where in the North American marketplace, I can go out and I can basically say anything I want about anything I want. The Chinese marketplace doesn't allow you to do that. So when Neo has an issue with one of their vehicles where they're catching fire and killing people, you know, let's say, I'm not saying this happened to Neo, but let's just say, you know, an electric car company does this in a marketplace like that, there's a little more control, whereas until it becomes a major issue, we're just not going to, we're just going to sweep it under the rug. We're in North America, Tesla has the issue of the mass public, similar to that of Rivian and Lucid. Where Rivian has built their product up to being a Mercedes S-Class, kind of between the Maybach edition and a Rolls-Royce Phantom, Lucid is there and they want to be top tier, but they don't want to go jump 
all the way in because they know the production woes and they've even seen it with some of the biggest makers out there. Rolls-Royce and Bentley slowly climb down that ladder and they still slowly climb down that ladder when they're building new things today and changing over because they know where if they go like BMW, Volkswagen, Chevrolet and they just jump right off that dock into it, they're going to have issues. How many issues did you hear about with the F-150 Lightning when it came out? Lots. The Chevrolet Bolt and Bolt EUV were pulled off from production for nearly three months with a cease and assist on sales due to the fact they were catching on fire for an unknown reason. But Chevy jumped all in. They're doing like Rivian. Rivian doesn't want to start the way Tesla did. They don't want the sports car and slowly move up the luxury chain of production vehicles of what people really truly desire and need. They know people want to buy their truck and their SUV and we got this deal with Amazon. We're going all in. Well, signing the deal with Amazon was also another major issue that Rivian had to overcome. And production was really going to hamper them down on this. When you're trying to go from nothing to everything in one shot, how many times do you fail at it? I don't want to go from here to there in a split second. How many times do I have to run back and forth doing that before I get it perfect? Whereas if I just walk there, I could do it right the first time. Tesla attempted to do that. Rivian is not even attempting to do that. Lucid is doing that. Remember, as we said, as you move higher up the food chain and the production marketplace and the automotive world that's all sitting around us, the more eyes you have on you. Where Ferrari and Rolls-Royce can control their end product, even after it's been purchased, Tesla can't, and you can't control what's going on. Quality issues from making this massive jump get sent on to the end user and customers, where essentially they are the final straw that can break this camel's back. The costs associated with this are over the top, where some companies who just want to dive right in, even before their product is 100% ready to go, can lose everything. The cost for plants is more substantial compared to that of a warehouse. If I want to build a 20,000 square foot mansion on the side of a lake, it costs me more to build it than a 10 by 10 shack in the middle of the woods, doesn't it? But to do what I want to start off with, that 10 by 10 shed in the bush is better to start from. Is it okay to go from that 10 by 10 shed into that 20,000 square foot? People do it, but very few of them succeed. With your knowledge of small production, your changeover to a larger production is a lot easier. Toyota has actually noticed this in the production world right now, where they see companies like Hyundai, who just took their money that they kept getting from really cheap vehicles and putting it back into development to try and get further and further ahead of the curve instead of working on quality. Toyota took the time to work on quality, and the second they started seeing a decrease in their quality, in the mid-2000s to late-2000s, Toyota had to take a step back. They went back, and at a few of their plants in Japan, they created which was Year One. It was a program within the manufacturing facility which showcased a very simplistic way of getting things around. Moving this material to that area, instead of the forklift, you move one or two of them with a wagon. Cautiously, calmly, in a safe environment, at a slower pace, you can know exactly what you're picking up, exactly where it goes, and exactly how it goes together. You get to take your time. And from that, Toyota learned that by taking a step back, they were able to take a larger step forward. This is where some of these major companies have issues. A direct jump into full production is a loss of knowledge. I'm going to point this out right today and to everybody listening, depending on how smart you are, how smart you think you are, actually doing something and having experience in it, in a lot of cases and a lot of things around the world is greater than how much you know from a book. 
You can read a million books on how to build a massive full-scale production line to build brand new vehicles. But nothing in those books is going to tell you about the experience of day-to-day -day operations. They'll tell you how they operate and that this guy goes here and this guy goes here. But remember, a, a textbook or any book you read is based off of a known. Why? Because the person that even created that work book, even in fiction environment, created it knowing the outcome. And in a world of what you think is knowns, there are a lot of unknowns. Ask anybody who has ever started a business and they'll tell you, you could read as much as you want, you can take as many courses as you want, but in the end, unless you've truly experienced it, you don't know what the fuck you're doing. It's literally the best example you can put at it as Rivian. When they started producing their vehicles, it was essentially that company having sex for the very first time. Because literally, they didn't know fuck all about what they did. They could have watched and read as much as they wanted about what they were about to do. But until they did it, they would never know how to properly operate the system. And to my younger audience, that's trying to say is, you're trying to operate the system. So it's like, um, it's like your very first time playing a video game. The first time you put that game in, one... You may not do it properly. And two, you may not access the screen. And three, like, there's so many variations. You may know what the outcome could be from reading all of these things, but until you're literally into that world, it's all an unknown. Education can help set up these manufacturing plants, can help you set up your systems of operation. But in the end, it's experience that all takes to run it. And for myself, I always say that. It's funny how there's so many jobs out there that, you know, you just get out of school and then they want like 30 years experience for something that can be learned very efficiently and easily. Seriously, I went to school for business. I work doing estimations. How was I taught? I learned. I could have went to school and learned as much about it from textbooks, but being able to look at the entire environment around it and learning how every single little piece of that puzzle works and how everything goes together made it a better experience for me. And now having these experiences, this knowledge and background is great. But as I found in the job market, having, you know, being able to showcase to people that I have this vast experience in the automotive industry isn't enough without a university education in 10 years working at that plant down the road just because I worked at that plant. Experiencing and understanding this environment firsthand by myself is not enough. Knowing how to assemble products quicker requires experience than smaller ones. When you bring in that new CNC machine to do things faster than you chiseling everything out or doing sand casts, there's a learning curve, right? But if you move up to it, it's a lot easier. The biggest production woes with all of these brand new automotive companies is the fact that some of them are trying to go all in with as much information as they think they need, but not understanding the full outcome. They need to experience building that small car before they get to that big car. Which means, like a working citizen, to become an engineer in certain countries, I have to go and work on the floor as a general laborer and work myself through every single part of that plant before I can tell you how to build it. Whereas in some cases, people seem to think all you need to know is how to build it and you can do it. Fortunately, Rivian seems to think that way. Lucid doesn't. Volkswagen thinks that way. Or Toyota doesn't. It's easier and better for you to take the stairs than it always is to jump into the elevator. An elevator's power source can be cut off, but unless you have a heart attack and die, you're still going to make it up to the top on those stairs. Tesla was always going to have major issues with it. Everybody has major issues when they start out their own major companies because there's a massive learning curve to get you from point A to point B. All those miniature, like hundreds of little points in between, 
are all part of that learning curve. And just like starting a new job, this is the learning curve that some of these companies choose to make a lot quicker than other ones. And that's where their production issues come more into play. They have to learn to solve the unknowns quicker than the guy next to them. Not to say that it can't be done, but it just causes first more issues in the long run. So really, when you think about it, does every company in the world need to slowly go and take a decade or two decades to slowly build themselves up to this massive conglomerate of automotive dominance? Or can you literally jump into the pool headfirst? Well, there's a clear indication that maybe the first is better in the long run, but in some cases when it's new technology and you got to get right in there and do it right away, sometimes you just got to bite the bullet and jump all in. This is one of those features where both sides of the spectrum can suit you, depending on how you go. A real life experience and knowing how this thing operates can make it better. If not for a financial issue, DeLorean was well ahead of the curve on what he was doing. He was just behind on the financial aspect. Not to say that that experience is going to make you succeed. When it comes to production rows and changing over from small to big or from nothing to big, the issues that you will encounter, you will have to respond and act to as quick as possible to ensure your sustainability in the long run. I explain this every day when I'm at work and people still don't understand how I can take five minutes to answer a question where I can take three managers an hour and a half of debating and talking to not even come to a conclusion. I understand the production woes and I have been through them. Everybody will have them and they may all fail us, but in the end, some of these companies will make it and some won't. Not everybody can become a Tesla right off the bat. Some of you could wind up like Faraday Future. So if you like this podcast, please like, share, or comment. Send comments, send this podcast out to your friends, your family, uh, any of that can actually help us out and bring more content and better content to you in the future. From both Ecom Entertainment Group, Feedspot.com, Autolux.net, and Podbeam.com. Find us on any of our major social feeds and streaming sites and send us out to your friends, your family, and the world to help the Autolux.net podcast get the production woes of the world solved for the automotive industry. Have an idea or you just want to have your say in on what goes on with this podcast or what we need to cover in the future, send me an email. Send myself, the doctor to the automotive industry, Mr. Everett J. An email at email at autolux.net. Or check me out at Mr. Everett J. On any of the major social feeds, you can find me out. So please, please rate and review us to help us grow and expand past what we already talk about. <laughs> so from us, all your favorite platforms, and the whole team on autolux.net, strap yourself in for this one fun wild ride that the production facilities of the world will take us on.